Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Today, we're going to look at the second of the Ten Commandments as we talk about tearing down idols. The second commandment deals with the spiritual issue of idolatry and how to keep our hearts pure from any idols that would compete for God's rightful place. The first commandment says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, the second commandment is found here in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. The Lord says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything, in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, this simple commandment has an interesting caveat with it. First of all, God says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. The heavens above or the earth beneath or the waters below. So that you bow down and worship them. So an idol here is not just an image because our world is full of images and photographs and paintings and sculptors. We have so many different images as part of communication. He says to fashion an image so that you bow down and worship it. So an idol is something we worship. And many people have that confused sometimes. They think you can have any kind of imagery, which obviously is not true. God has created the world with amazing imagery himself. This is about building an image in the form of something that we worship or to give our love to, our devotion to, that we revere instead of honoring God as our creator. Now, notice that this commandment comes with a warning. He says he will punish the sin. He means the sin of idolatry. I'll punish the sin of the parents the idol makers, the idol worshipers, to the third and fourth generation. Now, many people have read into this a generational curse. God didn't say that. But he says that idolatry tends to be practiced own generationally. And as each generation practices, God will punish that sin because it takes people away from him. But he says he will show his mercy and grace and blessing to the generation that love him and keep his commandments. So notice that this punishment of the sin is not plural. And that does not refer to all the other commandments. It only refers to this particular commandment of idolatry. Idolatry is such a serious issue in God's eyes because it is the one thing that draws people away from him. It's the one thing that competes with God's rightful place in our lives. And when God is not the center of our lives, we honor the Lord in a relationship to Him. That's when everything in life falls apart. You know, God is like the sun of our solar system and all the planets revolve around it. You take the sun out, the whole solar system ceases to exist. 
And when God is not the center part of a person's life and they don't realize, you know, I'm made in the image of God and God loves me and I honor the Lord. I look to the Lord for my blessings and grace. You take God out of the equation and everything else falls apart. And that was why God cautioned ancient Israel about idols because they were going out of Egypt where they worshiped idols. And now they're going into Canaan where they worship some new idols. He knew that that was the threat. That was the thing that was going to undermine their faith and their obedience and their sacred way of living. So he puts a strong caution that God punishes. Now, punishment's an important thing. I mean, punishment is an act of love that God uses to bring us back to him, just like parents at times have to punish their kids because they love them. They don't want them to be harmed. They want to teach them right. Punishment's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that God loves us enough to punish us and not just let us go off and perish. God doesn't want us to go off and destroy ourselves. So God intervenes sometimes with punishments because he loves us. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34, he tells us everyone that he punishes, he loves as a son or daughter. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 5, refers to that passage itself, quotes that proverb. and says, have you forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters, that everyone that God loves, he at times will punish so that we may share in his holiness. So when the sin of idolatry gets in the lives of God's people, God says, I'll punish that sin. He punishes it so that we can repent of it, get the idols out of our lives, and keep him first and foremost. Well, when we look at this problem of idolatry, an idol now is an image, something we shape and form and fashion to worship it. That's the point of an idol. It's something we worship instead of God. There are two kinds. There are external idols and there are internal idols. My first mission trip was to Trinidad and I Remember meeting on that island a man who made idols and went to his shop. He was a Hindu and he made these Hindu gods. And I talked to him a little bit about some of these gods and what they did. And you never knew what one god was going to do. He was explaining one had a sword in his hand and you didn't know if he was going to kill you or bless you. You didn't know which one of these gods was going to show up. And I thought how confusing that is when we know there's one true living God who loves us with an everlasting love. When I was in the land of India, traveled all over it for three weeks straight, I saw many idols, some that were several thousand years old that had been carved and made temples of idols. The city of Madurai, which is called the city of temples. So many ancient temples of the Hindu gods, hundreds and hundreds of these images. People would travel and worship these images. So an idol is an image. It can be external. We build it, physical. But the point of the image is that people are worshiping it. But they're internal idols. Ezekiel 14, verse 4, the prophet writes about idols in the heart. He challenged the people of his day. Ezekiel the prophet, when the people were exiled to the land of Babylon, it too was a land full of idols. He also said, be careful of the idols in your heart. Even in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 ends with a statement, Dear friends, keep yourselves from idols. So even though we live in a modern, sophisticated, scientific age, idols get in people's hearts. Things that they worship instead of God. Money's an idol for a lot of people. They made it an idol. Their whole life is obsessed. They'll do anything for money. That is the ultimate measure of success for them. Idolatry of Wealth is a powerful, the idolatry of the self, pride and arrogance. So idols can be in the heart 
as well as external. But we not only see the two types of idols, external and internal, we also see the tragedy of idols. What happens to people when idols are in their hearts? First of all, idols distract our focus away from God. When we start worshiping something else or putting something in God's place, we've now lost our focus on God. When I wake up in the morning, one of the things I do early that day, every day, is pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the most beautiful, powerful prayer that Jesus gave us. It has the phrase daily bread, so I pray it daily. But it helps me get my focus on the Lord, our Father, who art in heaven. And that's what worship does. It gets your focus on God, to wake up every day and give God praise for the day, thank Him for the day, ask Him for grace to live honorably for the day. When you face needs in your life, turn them over to God in the morning. Release your worries. The psalmist said in Psalm 63, 1, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. You could translate the word earnestly with all my heart. I seek you. But it also means early in the morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went out to a solitary place where he prayed. He began his day conscious of God, aware of God's presence, in tune with God's presence. But an idol does the opposite. It takes our focus off from God. It gets us on the idol. We start looking to the wrong thing. We start trusting the wrong sources. And an idol is a threat to our spiritual focus. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And true worship gets our focus on the Lord. But idols distract our focus. And most car wrecks happen because people get distracted. They look at the wrong thing. When my dad was teaching me to drive a, a small road in an industrial park where there wasn't much traffic, I had my learner's license getting ready to go for my, get my test, and he was teaching me. He said, look at the road. Pay attention to the road. The car will go where you're looking. I kept looking away. I was trying to avoid the curve, and that was making me hit it because I kept looking at it. Well, that's what an idol does. It takes your focus off of God. Many things can come into our lives, and the next thing you know, it becomes the object of our affection, the object of our pursuits. But true worship keeps our focus on the Lord. So that's the first tragedy of idols. It distracts our focus. And second of all, it diminishes our love, our devotion to God. Because worship is about love. It's about passion. It's about desire. We don't worship God out of law. We worship God out of love because he loves us. It's a response of our love to the love of God. That happened to King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. He married strange wives. He built a harem like the ancient kings did. And it says they turned his heart away from the Lord to serve other gods. It turned his heart away from the Lord, unlike the heart of his father, David. And God said of David, he loves me, he pursues me. He's a man after my own heart. But Solomon got all these wives in his harem, and they brought idols with them. And he started setting up those idols, and he started honoring the idols as well as God. So he had God be all these idols. He violated the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me in hostility to me. He made the same mistake King Ahaz made when he moved the altar of God out of the temple and he 
put in there that new altar of the Assyrian God and tried to have God, the God of Israel, Jehovah God, and this pagan God, God and. That's what happened to Solomon. He still honored God. He, he believed in the one true God. He worshiped Jehovah. But he also had these idols. They said they turned his heart away from God. It was his heart. It was his passion. His love for God, his devotion, his honor for God began to diminish. So that's the tragedy of idols. It distracts our focus off of the Lord and it diminishes our love for him. And it diminishes our love for Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And people lose their spiritual passion because they get the wrong influences in their life. And they can begin to compete with God's rightful place. They begin to compete with the Lordship of Jesus in a person's life. It's not that they give up their faith or that they don't love the Lord, but they've lost the focus of their faith. And like the church at Ephesus, he said in Revelation 2, verse 4, you've left your first love. Have you lost your focus today? Have you gotten your eyes on the wrong things? Is your love for Jesus diminishing? Your passion for him? Today, tear down those idols. Make Jesus the center point of your life. And that's the most important truth when we see these idols. We need to tear them down. There's a great story about Gideon, one of the judges of Israel. The Bible tells us that he tore down idols. When God called him to take his place of leadership, he told him to tear down the idols. Now, this was in Israel. His father had idols. They were idols in the land of Israel. And that was one of the reasons God raised him up as a judge was to purge the land of idolatry. And this is what the Lord said to Gideon when he called him to lead the people. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Then build a proper altar to the Lord your God on top of the height. That's Judges 6, verse 25 and 26. So here Gideon is called of God to be a spiritual leader. And he said, you've got to start with tearing down your father's idol, his altar to this pagan god. He had an idol to Baal. And Baal's wife in that ancient religion was Asherah. So you got to tear down. And so Gideon went out that night with some friends and he tore down the altar, tore down the idol. And the men in the city the next morning saw the idol torn down and they were furious. And when they found out it was Gideon, he told Gideon's father, you need to bring your son out here. He needs to die for what he's done. He's torn down the altar. And his father had a change of heart. He knew he should have had that altar and that idol in the first place. And he said, let Baal defend himself. If Baal's really a God, he can come down here and defend himself. Well, Baal is not a God. He's a figment of their imagination. But even his father realized his son had done the right thing by tearing down the idol. There's a fascinating story to me of God's powerful presence that tears down the idols. In the early days of Samuel, who was a priest and a prophet and the last judge of Israel who would anoint both Saul and David as king of Israel, Eli was the high priest and the priesthood had become corrupt and there was a war and the people of Israel had turned away from the Lord in the days of the judges. And the Philistines, they brought the Ark of the Covenant into battle instead of leaving it in the tabernacle in Shiloh. And the Philistines conquered the Israelites, but they took that Ark. 
the Ark of the Covenant of God. They captured it in battle. And they took it back to the land of the Philistines. And they took it to their temple. Their God was named Dagon. And they put the Ark in front of this massive statue of Dagon. And when they did, something interesting happened. So the Bible tells us, then they, the Philistines, carried the Ark of the Covenant into Dagon's temple, and they set it before Dagon. But the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon, fallen with his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. First Samuel chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. What an incredible story. So they take the Ark of the Covenant that had the Ten Commandments in it, that was in the Holy of Holies, that should have never been brought into battle because the men were trusting the ark instead of the God of the ark. And then the Philistines captured the ark. They brought it in their temple and put it in front of this huge statue to their God as if they were making Jehovah God subject to Dagon. Now, I've shortened the story for it. What really happened was it fell over the first time, but it didn't break. So the first morning when they came in there, they, they saw the idol had fallen down in front of the ark as if it were bowing down to the Ark of the Covenant, if it were bowing down to Jehovah God. So they stood it back up. It was the second morning they came in. This time when it fell, it broke off the head and the arms. The head, the center of intelligence and decision-making. The arms ex extended out to, is a symbol of power and work, as if God were saying, your God has no mind left, no thought, no intent, its arms are gone, its hands, it has no power, it can't do anything. It's shattered into pieces. Name with that story because if you today find things in your heart that are competing with God's place in your life, you say, what do I need to do? You know, you need to fill your life more with the presence of God. That's why we're sharing the Word. You spend time in the Word. You spend time in worship. You go to church on Sundays. You practice the presence of the Lord. You walk with her. You see, that's why the Bible says we need to be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, there's not room for idols. So it's not that you need necessarily just to tear the altar down. That's a great thing to do. But I'll tell you, when you fill your life with the presence of God and the Word of God, there's not room for idols in the human heart. And the Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5 and 18, be filled with the Spirit. And today, as we look at this second commandment, the best way to keep our hearts pure from any idols ever coming in our hearts is to keep our hearts full of the presence of the Lord as we read His Word, think about His Word, live our lives by His Word, practice His presence, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. The presence of the Lord always removes idols from the human heart. Join me in prayer. Lord, today we pray for a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that we might keep our focus on you, never anything else. And Lord, that we might love you with all of our hearts, soul, and strength and never fall into the place that we lose our passion for you. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts anew and afresh today with your presence and your word in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me for this study. I'm enjoying the Ten Commandments and looking forward to every teaching with you. Every week, take an opportunity to invite somebody to share the Dig Deep Bible Study, 15 minutes that will change their life. And I want you to get the copy of my book, 10 Guidelines to Greatness. 
It's a book written on the Ten Commandments, how they speak to our times and how we can apply them in our lives. You'll learn so much more about the commandments just by reading the books as well. It's a great read for young people to help guide them through all of the issues that they're facing in their lives as well. You can get your copy today at the Mount Perrin store here on campus. When you're worshiping here, you can get it online on the Mount Perrin app as well. Make sure you get your copy, 10 Guidelines to Greatness today. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to see you in worship this Sunday. Make sure you always invite somebody to go to church with you on campus here. Services are amazing online as well. So many people all over the world. I want you to Go today and follow me on social media and also the Mount Parent Church on social media. Let's stay connected. Let's grow in grace together. I pray you'll have an incredible week. Thank you again for being with me. I'm looking forward to our next study as we continue on the Ten Commandments. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.